Hi, sisters. As we're still going through our Love One Another series with discipleship, this week we are on forgiving one another. You know, this isn't an easy topic. It's tough sometimes to think about how we must forgive one another. In this lesson, you're going to get a lot of scripture and practical application on how to forgive one another. And the reason why we need to forgive those who have hurt us. But what's great about this lesson is at the very end, I'm going to give you some practical advice on what forgiveness doesn't mean. It's okay to set boundaries, and we're going to talk about that. So stick it out till the end. I pray that you enjoy this message. It also has homework with it. So look for that in the show notes, and then come into the Facebook group and share with us some of your revelations. Enjoy the message. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real-life application? And this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus when they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Hi, sisters. Okay, welcome back. Here I am again. We are doing week three, I believe. I believe we are on week three for the discipleship class. And we've been talking about one another, that word elion, that means reciprocal or back and forth, mutual. And we've been doing like the one another series because it comes from the the verse John 13, 34, where Jesus says, this commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, love one another. And we were talking about, man, that's a really high call. How do we do that? How do we love one another the way that Jesus loves us? He came, he died for us. He put on a human tent for us. So we've been going over some of the one another's. And so last week we talked about honoring one another and living in harmony with one another. We talked about being like-minded with one another, building up one another in the faith. So there's so many different one another's. We talked about how there's about 100 verses in the New Testament alone that have that one another aspect. Lay your lives down for one another. Think of others greater than yourself. There's so many. And about 49 of them are an actual command, like love one another. It's not an option. Honor one another, not an option. Well, here's another one. And we're going to talk about forgive one another. That can be difficult, forgiveness. And so today's topic is not going to necessarily be an easy one because we all struggle in this area, especially as we are being hurt over and over again. And so we're just going to look at the scriptures and see what the scriptures have to say about forgiving one another. Remember the word one another, Greek word alion means reciprocal, 
the back and forth. We talked about a ping pong game where we're going back and forth, hitting the ball back and forth. Remember, we talked about in Romans about outdo one another in honor. And so, but we're not doing it as a competition. I'm not trying to beat you at this game. We're doing it with mutual respect, mutual honor, mutual love, and now mutual forgiveness. So it says, forgive one another. It means a release or a dismissal of something. So if you would think about the gospel, it would be release of sinners from God's just penalty or a complete dismissal of all charges against us. I don't know about you but I had a lot of charges against me before Christ saved me. I was storing up wrath that my cup of wrath was big and ready to be poured out on me for all of eternity. I had all my sins. It talks about in Romans where my God had kept an account and I had a large account. I was running a tab, if you will, but yet he forgave me. He dismissed all my sins. I, that I won't be it will be accounted against me now. He dismissed all your sins. He forgave you if you're truly born again and you're listening to this. We can't have forgiveness without first having sin, right? Obviously, sin creates a need for forgiveness. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And so you and I, we are born with the sin nature of Adam, and we have done nothing but sin since we were born. We start out very selfish and meet my needs and do for me. And as we grow, we become a toddler, right? We don't share our toys. We throw a fit in the grocery store. If we don't get the candy bar that we want or whatever it is. We bite. We, you know, start to grow in our rebellion, you know, and then we go to school and then we get go to junior high and then we start experimenting with things in high school and and the rebellion just grows and the sin grows and the sin nature just grows. And we just keep feeding this monster that's called sin. And so we all need forgiveness. We need forgiveness from God, our creator, our father. And we need to forgive one another. And we need forgiveness from one another because we all mess up. So I think of Romans, or I'm sorry, what, um, I think of Matthew 6, 9 through 13, where that is the disciples' prayer. A lot of people call it the Lord's Prayer, but technically it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's technically the prayer of the, that he taught the disciples to pray. And it goes, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So you see there in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And debts comes from that Greek word, ophelia, ophelia, ophelia. I said that twice, three times, which meets that which is owed. It means this is owed. That which is justly or legally due, a debt. Interchange it with sin or offense. So we legally owe a debt for the sin that we have committed. There's a debt to be paid. And here it's saying, forgive us of our debts or our sin, as we also forgive those who have sinned against us as well. 
read so when we do Matthew, we we kind of move on to Matthew 6, 14 through 15. It goes on to say, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you of your trespasses. What are some thoughts that come to your mind when you think of that? When you think of man, if I don't forgive, that means the father is not for, gonna forgive me. We are commanded to forgive. Okay. Now something's gone on and you're struggling with forgiveness and you're holding on to something. It's not that you're going to lose your salvation. It's more of, it does hinder your fellowship with the Lord. Our fellowship becomes hindered as we are unwilling to forgive others. We, how can we be, expect the father to forgive us? How can we we have done way more against a holy God who created us than anyone could ever do against us. And that's that can sound kind of tough. If you've ever had a traumatic event happen to you, if you've gone through some really abusive things and you think, how could I have sinned against God greater than that? But God is holy and he is perfect and he created us. We are literally made in his image and we have sinned against him in every way, shape, and form. And yet he chose to forgive us. And that's where he gives us the ability to forgive those who have also sinned against us. And we're going to talk a little bit more about forgiveness and what it is and what it's not, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Because sometimes, especially as Christians, we can have a very skewed view of forgiveness. And then we can sometimes not set boundaries and think that we have to deal with toxicity or toxic people in our lives because we have to forgive them. Well, we're going to talk more about that. Stick around till the end of this video. We're going to go on Matthew 5, 7. It says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. If you are a merciful person, you're going to meet a merciless God. We are to walk with mercy. God has granted us amazing mercy. That Greek word for mercy is ilo. It means help one afflicted or seeking aid, being a bringing help to the wretched. It has the power and the right to punish, but chooses mercy instead. It's such a beautiful definition of what Christ has extended to us. He has the power to punish us. He has the right to punish us. We are sinners. We deserve hell. He would be justified in sending us all there, but he has decided to help us with aid in our affliction instead. We are wretched. And instead of giving us what we deserve, he's extending aid. He's extending his blood, his sacrifice as a free gift to us and showing us mercy. I love that, that he just gave himself up for that while we were still sinners, mm, he died for us. Isn't that beautiful? When you think about that, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Matthew 15 through 20, it says, if your brother sins against you, that's what this is about. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, 
let him be as you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you, if two or one of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am among them. Now, this is talking about church discipline. That's what this passage is talking about, that if a brother sins against us, if if they are in sin, it says to, and the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because I feel like we're going through, we're going through Matthew. Um, and I want to, I don't want to over, we're going to go through Matthew 18. I don't want to like skip through. I don't want to like take things out of context. Um, because it's important that when our brother sins against us, that we go one-on-one with them and we don't go tell five other people. We don't go gorging their character and their, who they are. Love covers sin. Now that doesn't mean we agree with it and doesn't mean that we condone it or wink at it. What it's saying is I'm going to protect your character. Love protects. And so by protecting your character, I'm going to come to you one-on-one. I see that you are in sin or you have done something against me. Or I believe maybe you've done something against somebody else. And I'm not going to go to anybody else. I'm going to go to prayer first. We're going to take it to the father, get the big plank out of our own eye so that we're walking with humility and love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And then we're going to go to the one-on-one and we're going to bring the scriptures with us because the scriptures is our sword. The scripture is what brings us all back into the truth. And we're going to say, Hey, you know, I've, you've sinned against me or you've sinned against someone or you're sinning against God. Maybe they're involved in the habitual sin that you're wanting to deal with that the Holy Spirit's put on your heart to deal with. Can we labor through some scriptures together? I love you so much. That's the only reason why I'm here is because I love you. And if they don't listen to you, they don't repent. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They don't want truth. Then grab another trusted brother or sister that you can take with you. Again, we do not want to tell everybody. We do not want to ruin this person's character. It's somebody you can trust that will um, keep and hold. The, if they, can, if we can get it reconciled, that they're not going to tell anybody. And we're going to take two people now. And if it's still uh, refused to listen, then we have to go before the church. Now, I typically would say go to the elders at that point and talk to the elders. And then the elders maybe can have like a third time to sit down and talk to them. And if they still don't repent, then of course you got to go to the whole body and they need to be excommunicated. And what this scripture is saying is that um, you treat them like an unbeliever because they're in rebellion and they're refusing to repent. And so they need to be, you know, because a little leaven spoils the whole lump and we need to remove them from the church. And it, it's letting the elders of the church know and the church know that heaven agrees with you on earth. If the elders have come to the conclusion that excommunication is the only um, way to handle this particular problem, the person refuses to repent, they refuse to change, then heaven agrees with them. So whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. That's what that means. It means that heaven has given authority to the church to make decisions for the church body on behalf of the father. And if they are making a decision that's biblically based, it's, it's, it's biblically sound, then heaven agrees with them and they are going to make that decision and and God is on their side. And so again, it's just saying where two or three are gathered, Jesus is among them. This is not teaching that this is every time two or three people are gathered, 
that's where we can have a church. No, there, he's saying that when you have an assembly, you have a church body coming together and you have elders coming together, agreeing on this person being excommunicated or church discipline or um, things that need to be handled in the church, that Jesus is there and he's coming into agreement with them um, by his spirit, that there's a unity there. And so that's really important to understand. But we want to be quick to forgive and forgive one another. And so I only bring that up because that's taught. So that's this particular scriptures, a lot of times are taken out of context and taught that we can bind and loose things and we can, um, and wherever Jesus is that, that that's a church. And no, there, there are things that give marks on what a church is and, you know, elders being a part of that and deacons being a part of that. And, uh, the Bible, the word of God being a part of a church and communion being a part. And obviously uh, one body with many members and where Christ is the head. And so, but that's not what this particular podcast is on today. So I'm going to move on. We're going to get back to forgiveness. If you have questions about what I just talked about, just message me. So Matthew 18, 21 through 22, we're going to talk about it. It says, it's the parable. This is one of my this parable messes with me every time because it really convicts my heart. This particular parable, it is the parable of the unforgiving servant. And so we're going to go through it. We're going to start with um, 18, 21 through 22. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my, will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And so we think, oh, so we only have to forgive like 490 times. Like, so, but on the 491st time we have to, we can let it go and don't have to forgive them. And of course, this is not what that's saying. There's, um, you know, it's likely saying that we forgive as much as we have to, it, it, you just keep forgiving. No matter what you got to keep forgiving, no matter how many times they do the same thing over and over and over again, you keep forgiving. So, and know that your father in heaven is going to take care of it. And again, we're going to talk more about that in the end on what forgiveness is, what forgiveness isn't, and how to set boundaries, but yet still forgive. If you're dealing with somebody who's continually abusing, who's continually doing this thing, same things over again, it's a false repentance because repentance means a changing and a turning away from. So Jesus wants us to have a forgiving heart, and we'll explain why that's so important here in a minute. So verse 18, we're still, we're going to be in chapter 18 here for a minute, 23 through 27. It goes on to say, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that they had and payment to be made. So the servant fell to his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him of his debt. And I think, oh, that's so beautiful. You see here that this servant owed so tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. He just, he could have never paid it back in his lifetime. And he fell to his knees and begged for what? mercy. The king didn't owe him anything. The king had the the right and the power to sell him and get his money back 
whatever way he deemed fit because the debt was owed. Just like we talked about, our debt of sin was owed. And yet the king chose mercy. He extended aid and covered his debt. Isn't that what Christ has done for us? We come to the cross and we come to our knees and we repent of our sin and we cry out for mercy. And Christ hands us the free gift of his shed blood to cover our debt. How beautiful, what a depiction. But what does this servant do after he has been forgiven for so much? Let's read on. Matthew 18, 28 through 30. But when the same servant went out, so he's been forgiven, he's went out, he's going back to his life. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denaria. So like nothing compared to what he owed the king. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Wow. That hit home at all where God so graciously forgave you and I of so much, a debt we could have never paid back. We were slaves to sin, slaves to our sin nature. And here's God sent his own son, shed his blood for us and gave us this free gift. And then we go out and someone does something to us, whether it be, whether it seem little or whether it be really a big thing compared to the debt that we owed is really nothing. And we nail them to the wall and we refuse to forgive them. And we walk in bitterness and anger. So what is the response of the king? Matthew 18, 31 through 35. Let's move on. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. So you see like brothers and sisters, they they see this, right? So there's other people that are like, wow, you were just forgiven of so much and you're holding on to this unforgiveness. So there's witnesses and we have witnesses of our, of our behaviors too, guys, whether it be your spouse, your family, your, your kids, your neighbors, or the people you go to church with your coworkers. And they went and reported this to their master, all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, from your heart. That is so important to understand from your heart, guys. We can't just say we forgive. We must truly forgive. And I know that some of you have been through some really tough things. People have done some really dirty things to you. And you think, how? I want to forgive. I need to forgive. And sometimes when we just look at these scriptures, we got to remember our sin. That big plank that we all carry around in our own eye, this is what Jesus is talking about. Take that out. And before we start getting the speck, that doesn't mean that speck doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean that speck isn't relevant. Doesn't mean that speck didn't do a lot of damage. It just means we have to keep things in perspective of the kingdom of God and what he sees and what he he's commanded us to do. You know, unforgiveness, and we've talked about this a lot. Unforgiveness is like having a syringe full of poison and you stick yourself with it, but you're expecting the other person to die. Your unforgiveness isn't hurting them. It's hurting you. 
And there are so many studies on unforgiveness actually causing physical sickness, arthritis, you know, bitterness can cause arthritis, physiologically anxiety, depression, all kinds of those things. Unforgiveness can really manifest itself a lot physiologically in our bodies, in our emotional state and our physical bodies. See, much like the um, torturers, you know, he says, deliver them to the jailers, deliver them to the torturers. We will be riddled when we don't forgive. You know who the torturers are for us? It's bitterness, anger, sadness, physical sickness, mental and emotional issues like depression, anxiety, and it breaks fellowship with God, you guys. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation, but what we are saying is it can withhold the blessings of God from your life. We just won't have that same intimacy with God because we are asking every day we get up and we need new mercies every day. Every day, God grants you and I new mercy because we all fall short every day. Our thought life alone is so wicked, right? And here's God every day. New mercy, new mercy, new mercy. I love you. New mercy. You're forgiven. Past, present, and future taken for the cross at the cross. And so when we hold on to unforgiveness, we are truly hurting ourselves physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Spiritually, we suffer because unforgiveness causes disunity in the body of Christ. It disqualifies us for ministry. We will start to depend on our own strength in every area because we have that broken fellowship with the Lord. It affects our gifts, our calling. And so I'm going to give you the test. And I'll have this on homework for you guys as well. There'll be a homework um, in the show notes for you. Here's the test. If you've truly forgiven somebody or not, where he says, not just in word, but in your heart, have you really forgiven this person? So with the Holy Spirit, I want you to think of somebody that you're upset with right now, that you, that's hurt you, that you're angry with, that you think maybe, maybe even think you've forgiven them. I want you to picture that person. And here's, um, here's the questions I want you to ask. If the person walked into the room right now, do you have feelings of anger, bitterness, or resentment? Anger, bitterness, and resentment. Does that rise up? Or do you have peace and joy? And maybe you're not ecstatic to see them. They may not be your favorite person on the planet, but you have peace and a joy and a calmness. Or do you have anger and bitterness and resentment? Like you're so upset they just walked through the room. Number two, if this person walks through the room right now, do you find that, okay, so if this person walks through the room and they said, I, I really need groceries, I'm really struggling, I need food, could you help them? If they had a need, a legitimate need, food, clothing, you know, something like that. I'm not saying pay all their bills. Some people are, you enable your abusers, um, but they just generally had a need of survival, a survival need. Could you go and buy them groceries or go to the food bank or do whatever you needed to do to just make sure they at least eat, that they have warmth, they have a coat. Could you help them in their distress? Number three, if someone asks you about them, could you say positive things about them? Can you think of good qualities that they hold? At the end of the day, I get it. They maybe have done A, B, and C. They may be, maybe they're a narcissist. Maybe they're, you know, a, a, a child abuser or they're, um, you know, just a, just a controlling person and they just, they verbally have abused or emotionally abused or they've taken advantage of you or stole from you. But as image bearers of Jesus Christ, could you say positive things about them. 
could you lift them up in the positiveness? Because nobody is 100% evil. If we're all made in God's image, there's something good in every human being. I, be I believe that. I believe that. Even the most vile people are still made in God's image. They're not children of God. They're not born again, but they will carry some sort of positive thing about them. Can we think of something that we can say that's positive? Number four, can you honestly pray blessings over their life? Can you pray over their job, their home, their marriage? And can you be happy for them when that blessing comes? Or do you wish failure on their lives? You want their marriage to fail. You want their house to burn down. You want them to lose their job. You know, do you rejoice if something terrible happens? Like, yeah, it's what you get. You know, that's God's judgment. <laughs> Listen, let's just have, let, we're, this is honesty hour. Let's just talk it through. I remember one time that, you know, when the Lord was really revealing this stuff to me, this was many, many, many years ago. And there was an enemy that had just was torturing my family. And this person was just awful and was a habitual liar and just narcissistic and bipolar and all the things, right? All the things. And the, the Lord had talked to me, pressed upon my heart through the word about praying for my enemies. Pray. Because, you know, it's really hard to be angry with people you're praying for every day. It's hard to be angry for them if you're really praying for them for salvation, for blessings, for... So I did put this person on my prayer list. I'm praying salvation. I'm praying blessings. I'm seeing some of their trauma from their childhood or things that they got. And I'm just like, Lord, help them. I know that they struggle with mental disorder, mental health problems because of their childhood and they're broken. And, you know, I mean, I get it over here. They're torturing me and, and they're doing some really evil things to me and my family. But over here, I'm going to pray for my enemies. I'm going to do what God has commanded me to do. And so I'm going to forgive and I'm going to pray. And so as I'm doing, I'm praying, I'm forgiven, right? This person rolls up in my driveway with a brand new car. And I can't, I'm not going to give details on why that was, why that mattered, but it mattered at the time. It was like, are you kidding me? This person was taking money from us and like acting like they were so poor and they come up, roll up with a brand new car. I was so mad. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this person's torturing us and burn and I've got all the things to say. And you're gonna give her a brand new car and you know, and I was jealous and I was mad and I was burnt, right? And just that soft whisper of the Holy Spirit <laughs> convicted my heart. Haven't you been praying? Haven't you been praying blessings? praying for their salvation, praying that you, uh, that I would bless them and, and, and that, you know, bless their lives and blah, blah. And then they roll up and you're mad. It was a huge lesson. I hadn't really forgiven. Not in my heart. I had said all the right things. I was doing all the right things, but I had not truly forgiven because the second it looked like a blessing, the second that person looked happy or something good was going good in their life, I was mad and I was jealous and I was all the feelings, all the negative feelings, all the bitterness, the anger and the unforgiveness came rising right to the top. And I was so convicted. Like, yeah, I'm just playing church, right? I learned a big lesson that day, real big lesson. Lastly, this is probably the hardest thing. If that person walked through the room right now, could you bend down, take off their socks and shoes, could you wash their feet? Humbly wash their feet without a word to say, just wash their feet. 
Because that is what Jesus did with Judas, knowing Judas was a fraud and a fake and a liar and a thief and was about ready to also go betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus washed his feet. Not to mention he washed the feet of all the disciples that day as they were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom. A bunch of prideful, arrogant, as he's getting ready to prepare himself for the cross, they're arguing about who's greater, who's the best of the best. And Jesus didn't say a word. He bent down and he washed their feet. Could you wash their feet? And see, this is a test that only you can take with the Holy Spirit. And you may have failed it miserably. You may have said no to all five things. I want to tell you, that's okay. Be honest. Lord, I'm struggling. Develop in my heart, Lord, the ability to forgive, the ability to forgive in such a way that I could bless them in distress, that I could say positive things about them, that I that I could honestly add them to my prayer list, my daily prayer list for their salvation and for blessings for their lives and actually mean it. Lord, that I could wash their feet. And Father, when their name gets brought up or I see a picture of them, that I don't get angry and bitter, that I'll actually have compassion for them. You know, hurting people hurt people, guys. And I'm not devaluing your hurt. And so this is what I want to say. What forgiveness does and does not mean. This is very important. Because as you're going through this list, and I'll put it in the homework assignment, so you can just go and be alone with the Father and really work on this on anybody that you may be having on forgiveness for now or in the future. As Christians, so often we think, well, forgiveness means I have to continue to allow them in my life. I have to continue to, to continue to take abuse. I have to remain quiet. I'm not allowed to say anything. No. So now I'm going to give you some things on what forgiveness doesn't mean, does mean and does not mean. You do not have to keep putting yourself in a situation where you are abused. If you are being abused, get a hold of me. I want to talk to you. And I want to talk about what measures we need to take in your life to help forgive, but also to get you out of that situation or get you, you know, whatever. I don't know. I, I just want to be a resource, you know, I mean, to just to try to help if there's something I can do, whether it's, we need to take some grief recovery classes, we need to do some Bible discipleship, biblical counseling, or whether, you know, let's just check the options, but you do not do not have to keep putting yourself in a situation where you continue to be abused. That is not forgiveness. We can forgive people and set boundaries. That's the next one. It's okay to set boundaries with someone who continues to hurt you. It is okay to shut the door on their availability to you, their access to you. Forgiveness does not mean you have to continue to allow them to come into your life. We are allowed to set boundaries and we need to set boundaries. One of the greatest things the enemy does is to continually keep us in abusive cycles in the name of God, in the name of Jesus. Well, you're a Christian. You have to forgive. Yes, I do. I do have to forgive, but I do not have to keep being abused. I do not have to keep allowing somebody in my life that's going to abuse me. It is not my job to save the world. Jesus died to save the world. I am not Holy Spirit Jr. It is my job to extend grace, to extend mercy, to extend forgiveness, to show people the gospel of Jesus Christ through my words and my actions, to give them the truth of the gospel. But it, I cannot save them. I cannot change them. I cannot give them a new heart, new desires, new nothing. And if they continue to choose not to change. And they continue to choose 
to abuse me or to overstep my boundaries is okay for me to say, I love you. I forgive you, but you have no access anymore. The access has been denied. We must forgive even our worst enemies. Guys, this is very, this is very important. Or those who have harmed us unimaginably. That's hard. I was abused sexually, physically, emotionally, and verbally my whole, most of my childhood one way or another, by multiple different people, multiple different situations, I still had to forgive them. Each and every one of them, even the ones that sexually violated me, changed my life forever. When you're abused as a child, when you're traumatized as a child, you don't necessarily ever become normal. I don't know how I want to say that for me. I'm going to speak for me. Something changed in the brain and they, they saw this scientifically, especially young children that are abused and traumatized. Our brains are still being formed. And so the way that our brain is formed in that time of trauma, it's kind of a permanent state. Doesn't mean I'm broken. Doesn't mean God can't heal because he can. And he does. He's done a lot of healing in me. It just means I still have triggers. There are still things to this day, no matter how much healing I go through, how much uh, the word I renew the word, renew my mind with a word, you know, all these things I've done all the things and I still do all the things and I, and I've absolutely forgiven them. I could every, I could do all these on the list, all five. And yet there's still triggers. There's still triggers. And so I understand that, but my father has forgiven me for so much more. And I have been extended such great mercy every day that I want to extend that same mercy and grace to even the most wicked enemy in my life. Now, my Lord has protected me. I mean, it's not like in my instance, I, you know, it's not like I have to see, matter of fact, one of them died not long ago. So there's like, okay, I don't have to worry about running into them, you know, anymore. Cause they used to live not far from me. And so I, um, I used to think, oh gosh, what if I ever ran into him? So, but you know, again, Every situation is unique, but at the end of the day, we have to forgive even the most wicked enemies. Also, forgiveness is not, and I repeat this, forgiveness is not giving them permission to hurt you or continuing to hurt you or letting them off the hook by harming you. See, sometimes we think, well, if I forgive them, I'm just letting them off the hook. I'm just letting what they did like as if it's okay. No, on the contrary, forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is so that you can be off their hook because as long as you're holding on to forgiveness, they still have power over you. And so we're going to break that power by forgiving them. I'm going to forgive you because you that way you don't have no more power over me because that unforgiveness is their way of continuing to abuse you. Only now they're using you to abuse yourself. How twisted is that? Think about that. I'm abusing myself every day by holding on to unforgiveness, unhealed trauma, unhealed grief, it's more abusive than what they did to me because I'm doing it now to myself every day. So the abuse that they gave me is now compounding. Letting You're not letting them off the hook. What they did was wrong. What they did was painful. And we have a God in heaven that's going to take care of that. But for us, we're going to set boundaries we're going to forgive, we're going to extend mercy, and we're going to let ourselves off of their hook. And we're going to stop abusing ourselves more than they ever abused us. Forgiveness starts your healing journey. It starts your healing journey. When I started 
forgiving. This was years ago when I started realizing I needed to make a list of the people that had hurt me and I needed to go one by one and, and, and give communication and a voice to what they had done to me. And I, and I can, I walk people through this all the time through the grief recovery method. We, we give communication, we give you a voice because a lot of times if we've been abused, we've lost our voice. Giving that communication is the beginning of your journey. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for forgiving. I want you to know that you have the power and the victory of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And he will help you forgive. Be totally honest. Have your own emotional honesty, emotional truth. This is what I teach in grief recovery. Emotional honesty, your emotional truth. I'm still in pain. This hurts. I still feel angry. I feel violated. I lost my voice. I feel like I lost control of my body. I lost control of my the safety. It's okay to give a voice to those things and then forgive. And if you need help with that, um, I offer grief recovery classes online. I offer grief grief recovery classes in person. Um, I do group so that it's um, a lot cheaper. Or I can even do one-on-one grief recovery classes. Um, I also offer biblical counseling. So I'm here. I'm here to help in any way I can. And you can email me or get in the Facebook group or whatever you need. I just want you to know I am here. You just got to reach out because I don't I don't necessarily know who you are. You're listening to me. I don't necessarily know who you are. So I can't. This is my way of reaching out to you. So you will need to reach back out to me so that I know that you need help. All right. So um, we also forgive because we are commanded to, not because they deserve it. Basically just said that. And forgiveness does not mean that we become a doormat. I talked about this boundaries. We have a voice and we need to learn boundaries. Yes. Yes. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. This is huge. Reconciliation requires both parties to be involved. If I'm trying to reconcile with somebody, I need to be a part of that reconciliation and they need to be part. We both need to be in agreement that there can be reconciliation, which means there needs to be repentance and forgiveness. But a lot of times the party over here, they're not repentful. They don't truly want to change. They just want to continue to have access to us to abuse. So we can't have reconciliation, but we can still have forgiveness. Okay. Forgiveness only takes one person being involved. That's you. Reconciliation takes both. And that's just not always an option. Remember, we did not deserve mercy from God, but he graciously granted it to us. So let us graciously give mercy to others. In the homework, I will have other verses for you to study out. I'll give you the verses that I gave, that I have, plus the other verses I want you to study out. And I can even put some books in there that maybe you might want to read. And um, if you want to know more about the grief recovery method and what I do with grief recovery, you can go to my website and click a free call with me. And it's a free consultation call, no obligation, not trying to sell you nothing. I'll just explain to you what, what the class is, how much it costs, and why I think it may benefit you. And if it's not something you want to do right now, guess what? That's okay. I'm still here. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to help you. I'm here to bring discipleship to you and to help you grow in God using his word. 
So I love you guys. I pray for you. I pray the Lord helps you. Lord, help my sisters as they are walking through the muddy waters of forgiveness. Help them to see what you have forgiven them of and that they too can forgive others. You are Holy Spirit and you will give us the power and the victory to overcome in every area. You did not give us any commands that we cannot keep or do. You told us to forgive one another and we need to forgive one another, Father, just as you have forgave us. And so we have the ability and we have the power, Lord. We do often need help. Um, and that's what you're there for, our comforter and our counselor. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy every day. The new mercies every day that you give us. Bless my sisters in every area of their life. Bless their loved ones. I pray for their prayer requests of lost loved ones to come to fruition with yes and amen. I just pray over their health, their lives, their finances, their marriages, their, their significant others, Lord, their 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 family members, lost all of them. Lord, I just pray over their, everything that they need prayer over God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. We love you. I love you, sister. God bless you. Amen. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.